This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control and my name is Ali Johan. This week we're joined by Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my, our automotive specialist on the show. Welcome, Daniel. Welcome, Ali, and thank you for that wonderful welcome note. I'm no specialist. I'm just an enthusiast. <laughs> uh, it's a two-man show tonight, myself and Daniel, yes. because Richard is out. Plenty of news in the local and uh, global headlines, as well as a car review a bit later on uh, with the Audi RS e-tron GT. But first, let's go through some headlines, Daniel. First piece of news, a Tesla center in Malaysia has officially opened in Cyberjaya this week. You know, the excitement for the word T-E-S-L-R creates so much excitement. Yep. But it's not like everybody can afford it, right? <laughs> not me, definitely. Now they're opening a showroom which is just all retail, selling their cars. Yes. Eventually, yes. they're going to move into introducing facilities for service and after-sales support and everything else. They're in here for real. And you know, the, the surprising thing, and I'll say this word surprising very strongly is, in the statement they said, you know, it's facilities for service, delivery, after sales support and everything in between. So all that talk about you don't have to service, you don't have to worry about after sales, you just buy and drive. What happened to that? A lot of salespeople who sell electric cars mm. keep giving this pitch that, oh, it's an electric car, you just charge and drive, charge and drive. There is still after sales, there is still possible repair to be done. There is still online support that you need which you have to go into a dealership to get. You can't just unbox it and drive it, you know? Right. As assuring as it sounds. Right. Um, it's a vehicle after all. How different is it uh, uh, for, for electric cars uh, in terms of their after-sales support compared to like well, normal cars? Officially, electric cars have only been here for the last two years. Yeah. Officially. So, can't really gauge what's going to happen, you know, in terms of after sales. So far, there's only been very small issues. And remember, sales have not been booming. The only big booming sales are coming from the brands that are from China. They've only started delivering in the last five, six months. So we've got to see what happens. The good news is the other brands have already set up their after sales. They've already set up their warranty program. Uh, in the workshops, the highly trained individuals, their special designated base for electric cars because electric cars can't go into normal ICE vehicle repair base. Right, they have to have right. special dedicated base. Mm. So it's 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 a great it's a great sign of moving forward. And I think more will be set up because this brand is gonna grow in leaps and bounds in Malaysia simply because it's it's so it's such a powerful brand name. And the new models are going to come in. The prices are so attractive. It's very hard to ignore. So I think there'll be another center coming up. You heard it here first. Penang and JB. Now, let's move on um, to this one, the big launch early this week. Um, the Honda Civic Type R finally arrived in Malaysia. And you told me it's been out a couple of years uh, in Japan and in Europe and everywhere else. But in Malaysia, they just arrive in limited quantities and What's the story here, Daniel? The Civic Type R, the all-new model. It's four doors. It's an aerobag, just like the, the sedan version. Nice body kit. It looks very purposeful. You, that's all fine. You can go to DSM and read about it and watch the video and everything else. A little bit of history on this amazing car. When this model was launched in Japan uh, two years ago, there was a huge demand and a huge waiting list. So what happened is, you know, th these cars are built in a very special uh, line in the factory. So they didn't build a lot of them. As they were building them, the bookings were just surging everywhere in the world. So cars were being exported. Now, 
local Japanese consumers were getting angry. They're saying, hey, we want the car also. So the factory had to shift, you know, the, 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 the supply, you know, to give to the Japanese consumer. And I heard this from people in Japan, not, not people from Honda, but people in Japan who told me the demand for this car was so high. In Japan, people were waiting for two years to get the, the, the order, you know. Mm. So what happened is Malaysia couldn't launch the car. Because there's no point launching the car just having one or two units. Yeah. So they were waiting and waiting. And even recently, at another Honda launch, which was the WRV, a lot of us asked the Honda management, hey, you know, what's happening with the Type R? Is it coming? And they just looked at it and says, patience, patience. And they've been saying this for the last one year plus. So finally, they've launched it. But only 19 units are available. God, 19 units. 19 units, all in white, allocated for 2023 Malaysia. Because of the short supply, they have told buyers, those who went earlier and put a booking even without knowing whether the car is coming or not, all all that doesn't apply anymore. Now, it's a balloting system. So if you can put a booking, I can go today to a Honda showroom, put in my booking, and they'll tell me, you wait for balloting. So the balloting will be done at the Honda Malaysia HQ. They will decide who the first 19 owners are. And that will continue as the supply comes in in 2024. So there's a good chance I might get the car. There's a good chance you might get the car. But it's not who you know or which dealer you know. It's a lottery. Right. Let's get through some specs about the car. It's still operating on the same 2-litre VTEC turbo engine. But it's a bit uh, more powerful now, Daniel. It is more powerful. But you know, when you talk about more power, I'm not interested in the more power. Really, honestly. Mm. Because the Type R was already powerful. It already had a lot of a lot of energy to deliver. Now, we know that this current model has uh, 319 PS and 420 Newton meters, which is, uh, you know, the, the old one had 310 PS, 9 PS less, mm. and 20 Newton meters less at 400. But still, this, this, this car just amazes me. I remember driving the old one, and it's just amazing how the power is delivered to you. Lightweight chassis, stiff, really good balance, great steering feel, that engine note, normal aspirated. You know, it had all the qualities of a real boy racer car. For me, an old man racer car, you know. Mm-hmm. Zero to 100 acceleration in 5.5 seconds. We know electric cars are doing 3.3, 3.64, 4.55. But that has got no emotion. That has got no intoxicating feeling, you know. You're just rushing forward. With this car, manual gear shifter, 5.5 seconds. You've got to work that gearbox and engine to get that 5.5 seconds. Top speed is 272. You'll probably not find anywhere to reach this top speed because, you know, there's cameras everywhere. This time, it's got four driving modes. Comfort, Sport, Plus R and Individual. It's got a ref counter. It's got a, a, a ref meter. It's got a lot of features, a lot of new features, plus loaded with safety features yeah. because Honda Sensing is there. So, they've done all this. Now, the... The one thing that has taken everybody by a little bit of shock is not that the fact that the numbers are low in terms of 19 units for this year, but the fact that the price has gone up. Yep. Now, the previous model was 330,000 ringgit. So that was about five years ago. In December 2018, I'm being very specific, in December 2018, the last batch of the old Type R was sold. Okay? Right. And 330,000 people grabbed it. Until today, you see a lot of them on the road. They're very happy with it and all that. But now the price has moved up to 399,900. Now, some weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, 
I did mention that the Taipa was, you know, possibly coming to Malaysia and everything else. And I gave it a, you heard it here first, prize of 388,000. Oof, not a bad guess. So I'm not far off. Yes. So why did we guesstimate this high price and why did it arrive at a slightly high price? Listen, the price in Japan is not cheap. Cost of building these cars have gone up. The cost of transporting this car, because this is a fully imported car, the logistics cost has gone up by three, four times. When you add anything new to a vehicle, it costs money. Plus, there's a tax on these cars. Right now, a lot of people are still being a little bit naive and saying, oh, but electric cars cost this much. Electric cars got no tax in Malaysia. That's until true. further notice, these petrol-powered cars all got a full tax. That is why the price is three hundred and ninety-nine nine hundred. I mean, you got to be a big fan of this car to really want it and pay that much money for it. Yes. I mean, even if you talk to owners of the previous Type R, till today, they are so in love with their cars. Those who do sell them is because of financial reasons or upgrade or maybe they, you know, they've gone a little bit bored with their cars because they've driven them to death. Um, these are not cars for the you know, daily office commuting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, right. Yep. Uh, I, I do see some people in heavy traffic jam driving them, but you know, manual gear shift, race car feel, a heavy clutch. I mean, it's a joy to drive on an open road. It's not a joy to drive in our traffic jams. And true to uh, typical Type R fashion, you know, the interiors are kitted with red and black seats, um, you know, and that big rear spoiler in the back uh, of the car as well. That's uh, a signature Type R thing. Speaking of red and black, there are a lot of things... um, in red and black, actually, in automotive uh, as well as Triumph with their Tiger 900 model. They've got a special edition called the Aragon Editions just launched in Malaysia. The Tiger 900 model is a rally bike and it was used at the prestigious Baja Aragon Desert Rally, which is like a 450-kilometer race. And at that race, um, their rider for Ducati was Ivan Cervantes. He clinched the title for the uh, Baja Aragon Desert Rally. So to commemorate Ivan's win, Triumph have released special edition models of the Tiger 900 bike called the Aragon Edition. A very special naming because uh, I don't know if you remember this, but last year, Harley-Davidson launched their Pan America uh, uh, 1250, which is a dual-purpose bike just like this. Mm. And that also was given the name Aragon because it came from the same race. Now, these, these races are really, you know, it's grueling on the bike and the rider and the teams. So I think what Triumph has done is, you know, they've said, okay, our bike can do it. It's done it. It's come back. The riders have, you know, taken good placing and, you know, let's 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 give it some glory, you know. So they got two new variants for the Triumph Tiger 900, uh, which is the Rally and GT models, boasting an impressive 87 newton meters of torque for a bike like this. Is, is it like a scrambler type? So it's got that element of being a scrambler and also a long-distance tourer. What's the price then for the new okay. Triumph Tiger 900 GT Aragon Editions? Now the prices start from 81,000 ringgit. You can also specify a few accessories on it. So it's best to just say from 81,000 ringgit. Go to a Triumph showroom, have a look at the bikes, tick the boxes that you want to have added to the bike and you can uh, ride it home. For like a long distance balik kampung kind of ride, this one must be comfortable, huh? These are the bikes to actually do that. But the problem is, these bikes are big. So to weave in and out of traffic is so right. a bit difficult. The size when, is... you have, uh, when you have standstill on the highway, eh? mm. they're wide and they're tall. But you know, 
you still get quite a lot of bike for your money, lah. You know. That's true. Okay, now jumping on to Ducati, they've also added uh, to their lineup of motorcycles here in Malaysia three new bikes uh, with an announcement of uh, Diavel V4, Panigale V4, and the Street Fighter V4. These are newer editions of models that they've always had in their line. And we just spoke about Ducati launching the Multistrada Tourer last week. They are in yes, yes. the mood for new bikes. Right. So Ducati has brought in these this four very special bikes. Very, very special. Very exclusive. Limited numbers. You know, there's like four units of one unit of one bike, two units of another one. Because these bikes are really special, very expensive. I keep saying really special because when I look at them, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I can afford it, I'm not going to ride it. I'm going to keep it in my <laughs> living room as a work of art, you know? Right. So the V4 is priced from 178900 The Panigale V4 SP2 is priced at 299900 now, this bike at 299900 quite funny, it was launched in the same day, different time, as the Honda Civic Type R we were talking about. <laughs> so, you can see the price difference is exactly 100,000 ringgit. So, I was telling some other media friends when we had the Ducati launch, I said, you know, if I had serious money, I would like to have both in my living room with all the lubricants taken out just as showpieces. One Type R and one Ducati. Nice. The Street Fighter V4 is quite an interesting one because uh, it has a sporty naked bike kind of uh, shape there. Wide handlebars yes. and it uses the same engine as the Panigale. And it's 144900 Some will say, wow, that's a lot of money to pay for a motorbike. But you must remember when you're buying a Ducati, mm. you're buying something very closely related to supercars like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and McLarens, you know? So yeah. it's in the same sphere but only with two wheels. So 144900 is not... Not that bad lah, if you put it in that context. So that's uh, what we have in the local market so far. Honda Civic Type R and, uh, you know, motorbikes by Ducati and Triumph, as well as uh, news about Tesla, opening up office and showroom in Cyberjaya. That's uh, all we have a local launch for this week. And we're going to take a quick break. We're going to discuss the future of D-segment sedans uh, with Sherry in the mix, as well as a global launch by BMW right here on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9 is Cruise Control. I'm Ali Johan together with Daniel Fernandez. Thanks for sticking with us. Now we're into the next segment of the show. A quick discussion on these segments sedans in our local markets. Why we're bringing up this topic today is because uh, of movements in other markets, right? Like in Japan especially. Sedans are dying, Daniel. Is that true? Yeah, you know, I would say they're being retired. You know, right. they've been put out to pasture. Now, it all started... Because of SUVs, we know that, you know. Uh, a lot of car manufacturers in, in Europe have all given up on their sedans. Volkswagen has given up on a few uh, of their very popular sedans. Mercedes is still, you know, plowing along. BMW is still plowing along. Audi still there. Um, the Japanese have realized that, you know, sales are not so good. Instead, you know, we put more money into our SUVs and crossovers and, you know, multi-Vs and whatever. You know, they've got so many uh, subsections of the crossover and SUVs now. They've come up with all kinds of variants and they're doing very well. Volkswagen, for example, I, I was in Europe recently. There's four different SUVs that are all around the same size, you know. 
I'm not talking about the large Turek. I'm just talking about Tiguan and smaller. They have, you know, T-Rock, Taiguan, all these little ones. And, you know, they're doing so well. So, like, Honda recently launched the WRV, a small crossover. Then they got the HRV. Then, you know, the CRV is coming soon. So, the same thing goes for Mazda. They got the, you know, CX-3, CX-5, MX-30, you know. Then you got a CX-9, you got a CX-8. And then suddenly you see, oh, no more Mazda 6 then. Eh? Mm. Oh, Mazda 3 is still selling well, but Mazda 6, mm, not so popular. So Toyota is saying the same thing also. A lot of people are coming for crossovers and SUVs. Um, and sad news, recently Honda said they will no longer be selling the Accord in Malaysia because there's a new Accord that was introduced for the ASEAN market in Indonesia a few months ago, a lot of people speculated that that'll be the replacement accord. And you know, these executive sedans have grown in size over the years. Yeah. I mean, remember the first accord of 1976 hmm. was probably the size of a Proton Saga today, you know? <laughs> yes. But today's Honda Accord, it's almost the size of an old BM7 series or Mercedes S-Class, you know? Mm, very wide, yeah. Long wheelbase, great features, big boot, uh, fantastic connectivity in the cabin, but they're not popular because you can get all that in an SUV. And... People, not just Malaysians, but people who buy cars, they want more metal for their money. Mm. So they'll go and buy an SUV. Right. Volvo has seen it. You go into a Volvo showroom, there are SUVs everywhere. The sedans, people come and look at the sedans. Wow, very nice. Ooh, stylish. I like to drive it. Uh, but how much is the SUV? Eh? You right, know? yeah. So now, Cherry, which has made a big splash in Malaysia recently, uh, they've been doing well with the SUVs. They've got two SUVs already in the market. They're bringing another two more as we speak. There's going to be a plug-in hybrid. There's going to be a, even an electric version. But they surprised us with the launch of this sedan. Um, same size as the Accord and Camry. It's called the Arizo 8. Now, the Arizo 8 was first introduced for this region. It was introduced in Philippines first. Philippines is a market where it's very easy for Chinese car brands to go in without any headache because A, they don't have a national car brand to hold back certain segments. You get what I mean? Right. So you can just go in and start selling as long as you fulfill all the criteria. Second, big advantage, Philippines is also left-hand drive like China. So you can just ship them straight and it's ready for use. Yes, you don't have to worry about right-hand drive conversion. You don't have to think about road testing it to see whether the right-hand drive version is acceptable. Because once you move from left-hand drive to right-hand drive, you've got to change a lot of things under the dashboard and, and the floorboard. So these things need to be adapted, you know, to see whether it works without any issue for the warranty period. So they've launched this Arizo 8 and it was very well received. Even though... Philippines, like the rest of Asia, is a huge SUV market. And remember, because they're left-hand drive, they also get a lot of American vehicles going there. Chrysler's, the Buicks, the Fords, the, you know, the, the, basically the Detroit Big Lah, you know? Yeah. If Philippines is ready to embrace a sedan like this, could it be that Cherry has got a little bit of that magic powder to revive the sedan market in Malaysia? Right, and we're specifically uh, looking at the D segment here, right? Uh, where, yes. as we mentioned earlier, Toyota Camry, which is going to be retired by, by Toyota, and Honda Accord, the new one's not coming. Uh, Mazda's okay. got nothing in that size. And, but the, and yes. in terms of the continental brands, they're still there though, right? BMWs, Mercedes, Volvos. They're still there, but you know, they're in a different segment because of price. But if you look at like the Koreans, uh, right. Hyundai and, and, and uh, Kia, their sedans have basically stopped selling. They've not discontinued them, but they're not promoting them. They're not bringing them in because they're imported sedans. Because the, the numbers were too small. So they concentrated on SUVs 
And that's what's selling right now. Of course, they still got electric vehicles. Right. But with the Japanese cars, they've always dominated our sedan market, especially the D segment, because that's what you aspire to own. If you're middle class, if you're mm. if you're super rich, you go for the European brand. Yeah, like a step up from a local brand, maybe. Yes. So Cherry now, I mean, you know, Chinese car brands are making a big splash here. And then at the same time, I'm also, you know, thinking, you know, Proton doesn't have a new Padana yet. And this is the Padana size. So it's a 1.6 turbocharged uh, inline four, uh, delivering 197 horsepower. You know, they also have a 1.5 turbocharged. Now, these brands from China, they can come in with many engine options because why? Mm. They can play with different markets. They got volume on their side. So I'm thinking most likely it'll be the same engine that is applied to one of their SUVs in Malaysia. All right. Because it'll make more sense in terms of after sales and spare parts and warranty and everything else. So the 1.5 litre engine is available in the Cherry Amoda, which is an SUV selling very well right now. It's already got a few thousand bookings. If they do decide to bring the Arizo 8 to Malaysia, which means they could enter the Thai market, they could enter the Singaporean market and the rising Indonesian market. Do we know how much they cost in Philippines? After doing a conversion and looking at what the competition it's cost, I'm giving a guesstimate of about 140,000 ringgit if it's sold here. Okay. The Camry is about 200,000. The Accord, the previous one, was about 190,000. So, you know, at this price range, depending on the spec, the infotainment, how many airbags, you know, you have to add all that, you know, what size wheels, whether yeah. it's going to be local assembled or fully imported. From 140,000, I can see a lot of Malaysians maybe inching their way back to a D-segment sedan like this. Yeah. And top it off with a seven-year warranty, Daniel. Ah, we spoke about it last week. Boom. You know, cherry seven-year warranty. And you know, with this price, I can also see if it's local assembled, some government agencies taking them on as, uh, you know, government vehicles. The Padana is not around. The situation here, the D-segment, um, as you mentioned, ASEAN market is kind of slow with consumers getting excited by compact SUVs and SUVs and just like higher-rised cars. Uh, and so we might see this uh, Arizo in Malaysia, the Cherry Arizo 8. Let's watch and see if this Chinese company can change the game a little bit in the local market. Right. Huh? I think uh, they will. I think they will. Cool. We're going to go to another sort of global launch just quickly because uh, we've been talking about, uh, you know, D-segment sedans and we mentioned the European manufacturers still believing in and producing wide long wheelbase cars. And uh, BMW have got a latest iteration of their 5 Series cars. Uh, that is the 530e and the 550e, adding a plug-in hybrid variant to these two models, Daniel. Yes. So I was actually surprised about this news because we were under the impression that you know BMW and, and Mercedes and all the German manufacturers are moving away from plug-in hybrids and uh, petrol vehicles. Mm. So to come out with a brand new plug-in hybrid and you know two variants means that they're still thinking, hey, you know, we, we still have consumers out there who don't want full electric. And you have already seen it with a few manufacturers doing a small U-turn and saying, oh, we'll still produce petrol-powered cars. Some said we'll still produce hybrid cars. Japan has been holding back on this electric thing for the longest time and just pushing ahead with hybrid. So I think, you know, the Japanese manufacturers may have, on the surface, got it right. I mean, I don't think we'll go into a full electric agenda globally in the next 10 years. Maybe 20%, 25%, maybe, right. but not 100%. So you still have people, consumers out there who say, I want a petrol-powered car, but I want something more efficient, uh, maybe smaller CC. Um, you know, I don't mind a plug-in hybrid, for example, because the technology has evolved. It's much much more reliable. It's much better now. 
I just need, you know, for city commuting, I go in electric. When I go outstation, I put petrol and go. And meanwhile, I don't have to worry about charging infrastructure, you know? It seems more versatile because you can travel long distance and use petrol on it, right? Yes. The other thing is all plug-in hybrids are having a little bit of problem because you've got two technologies trying to work in harmony. You've got the ICE engine, which is a traditional petrol engine, mm. and you've got an electric system trying to work together and decide when's the best time to work. And then also the added weight because you've got, you got two power plants. That's true. So the vehicle becomes heavier. Mm-mm-mm. And then, you know, you got... Can you imagine two things trying to work underneath that nice shiny shell? The heat that is generated, on top of that, we've got global warming, you know? So this vehicle will be generating a lot of heat. Now, in anything, whether it's a car, a handphone, a computer, when heat is generated, what is the first thing to give you problems? Battery. Right. Mm. <laughs> Software. Mm. Screens. Things that are affected by high heat, you know? Yeah. So, of course, the car manufacturers are working with technology partners to solve these problems. So, they will evolve the plug-in hybrid. And I think it'll come to a point where the plug-in hybrid or the mild hybrid will be the simplest and the most common solution for mobility. But anyway, that is just my point of view. A lot of people will disagree with me. They all want to go electric. So, this new 530E and 550E has come out in Europe. I'm very sure it'll arrive in Malaysia latest before Hari Raya lah next year, you know? Wow. And, you know, seeing how prominent BMW brand is in Malaysia, you know, especially with the i-series, it's been very popular. Let's look at the price for the both these new models. Right. So, the prices start from um, 65,000 euros. But, of course, that's with their local taxes and everything else, which is about 322,000 ringgit. So, a lot of people say, ah, I might as well buy electric car lah because duty-free. The higher spec version with X-Drive is 382,000 ringgit when you do the conversion. Mm. So, you know, 322, 382, electric cars seem much more reasonable. But, electric car means you only got one option charging. That's it. So that's uh, BMW's latest uh, 530e and 550e. Beautiful, beautiful car and we know Malaysian consumers will love it and will buy this car when they arrive. Hopefully by next year. Uh, That's all we have for Global Launch and our discussion about I guess the future of the segment sedans. When we come back we're going to have a review of Audi's RS e-tron GT right here on Cruise Control BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Cruise Control. I'm Ali Johan, tonight with Daniel Fernandez. Final part of the show now. Daniel, you got behind the wheels of one really beautiful car. Both of us were uh, at the launch of the Audi RS e-tron GT. Mm. What was it like? A mouthful, a mouthful, but it's worth the whole mouthful. <laughs> this is, i got to say, the sleekest looking electric car you can get out there right now. It's just simply gorgeous. If you really look closely, you look very closely, close your eyes, open your eyes, close your eyes, open your eyes, you'll say, hey, looks a little bit like a Porsche Taycan. In fact, the muscular arches, the silhouette, it's all Porsche Taycan. And and there's nothing wrong here because in the grand scheme of things in the world at large and in Europe, Porsche and Audi are in partnership. I see. Okay, they're all part of the same group. They share a lot of technology. So when it came to electric car technology, a lot of it was shared. Of course, the Taycan was first to come out. The Taycan took the plunge and released an electric car, uh, uh, I think, five years ago. 
They did so well with the Taycan. Till today, the Taycan is selling very well across the world. They've updated it uh, as the time has gone by. But physically, it still looks the same. So then came the Audi e-tron. Now, the e-tron was part of a concept car. Uh, I'm sure if you watched, uh, you know, uh, Iron Man, the movie, you know, at, at one part of the movie, he was driving an Audi futuristic car. It was actually the e-tron. Right. So the car was already previewed in movies. They already teased it. Now comes the road-going version. Now, being a sibling to the Porsche Taycan, the powertrain, the technology, the battery technology, software, everything, a lot of it is the same. But there are some tweaks that have been done by Audi. So Audi will sell you this car in a few variants. In Malaysia, you get a few variants. The base version is about 559,000 ringgit. Okay. Now, that's a tax-free price. Now, if you think about it, this is an Audi, this is an electric car, this is a supercar. So, even at 559, you're getting a lot of car for your money. Of course, the price moves up to almost 800,000, which is the model we test drove, which is the RS Quattro. As you know, Audi, the word RS means high power, the best, the top model. So, RS is the direct competitor to BMW M, the direct competitor to Mercedes AMG. Mm the direct competitor to Civic Type R, you know? So you get where I'm going, right? Yeah. So this is the performance division of Audi. So now with RS, previously you get turbocharged cars. Now this is not a petrol-driven car. So where's the turbocharger? So they had to keep the RS name because why? Everybody's moving into the electric car space. But you don't want to lose that RS exclusivity. You know what I mean? You want to be able to still deliver to a few people the RS version. So this is the top spec. So you got the seats and brought in RS, you got the red calipers, you got the bigger wheels, you got slightly uprated power in terms of the motor system. Like I said, there's no engine, there's no petrol engine. It's all battery and motors. Now, this version, which is very important, 793,000 ringgit gets you a car that can go from 0 to 100, guess how fast? 4 seconds. 3.6 seconds. No way. 3.6 seconds. That is supercar territory. And I'll tell you why it's supercar territory. Now, launched last year, the McLaren Artura. Mm-hmm. Supercar, great looking. It's a, it's a plug-in hybrid. It's got amazing power delivery. 0 to 100, 3 seconds. Ooh. Now, yes, it's faster than this car. But that's a two-door supercar. This is a four-door family sedan, you know? Yeah. So three and 3.6, 0.6 seconds, can you really feel it? Never mind. Next thing is, the McLaren prices start from a million ringgit before taxes. So if you add taxes, that's 2.3, 2.4, 2.5 million, depending on your spec sheet, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is only 793,000. So you see where I'm going with this whole thing? Because... I want to make people understand this Audi RS e-tron is a supercar with four doors. So then you look at a V12 recently launched Lamborghini Ruvelto. Okay? 2.5 million ringgit before duties. <laughs> so let's not even go to how much it'll cost with duties, right? The Lamborghini does 0 to 100 in 2.5 seconds. So that's 1.1 seconds faster. Now, why I keep talking about acceleration? Because when you talk about supercars, it's all about acceleration. No one talks about top speed because there is probably 0.1% of the time that you can reach your top speed, you know? Mm-hmm. But the, the acceleration you can do every day at every traffic light as long as there's no motorcycle in front of you, you know? So these supercars, 1 million before tax, 2.5 million before tax, RS, 793,000 on the road ready to deliver to you. Okay, so what do you get from the Audi? 
the Audi has got 646 PS, okay? That's quite a bit of power. The torque is 830 newton meters. So that's a lot of torque coming from the electric motors. Because it's an electric car, it's got a two-speed automatic transmission. But you don't have to work anything. You just put it in drive and it just, boom, it'll go. You can choose between your drive modes, you know, comfort, efficiency, sport. Just put it in sport and you have total fun all the time. But then remember, when you're in sport all the time, you'll deplete your battery faster. It's like a petrol-driven car. You put it in sport all the time, you deplete your fuel tank faster. So, you know? Same, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, if you drive normally, the expected battery range on a 100% charge is about 495 kilometers. Pretty good. Okay. So, when I got the car, it was fully charged. But of course, you know, once in a while, I'm, I'm going a bit crazy on an open road. Once in a while, I'm driving normally. Once in a while, I'm just accelerating, feeling that mid-range thrust. I got just under 400 kilometers. Still solid. Okay. Still solid. And at 400 kilometers, I'm still got about a 15, 16, 17% of battery power when I returned it. Not too bad. Top speed is 250 kilometers. Try and find a place where you can try that top speed, you know? <laughs> Getting into this car, we know it's low slung, it's four doors. Getting to this car, you get nice bucket RS seats. A dashboard that I immediately like. And I'll tell you why I immediately like. Because number one, it does not have a super large screen in the center. It's still kind of uh, old school in that way for an yes. electric car. Yes. So I'm not a big fan of large screens simply because I think there's way too much information being delivered uh, while you drive. So it's distracting. Correct. Okay? I'm with you. Yeah. Yes, it makes things easier when you're trying to look for navigation and all that. But once you're used to a normal size screen, you find it that it's much easier. Also, with a normal size screen, it's incorporated into the dashboard. It's not sitting high up and blocking a little bit of your outward view, you know? Mm. It's flushed with the dashboard. And if you look at this dashboard, without me telling you it's an electric car, you'll probably think it's an Audi A4, A6 or A8. Because why? It's almost the same kind of dashboard. So if you're already an Audi owner, petrol or diesel, and you get into this car, you will not feel very strange. You'll not feel like, hey, I have to learn everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And then at the back, you got seating for two people. Comfortable seating for two people. There is no issue for even Richard with his side to get into the back seat. It is a total family sedan. Yes. Plenty of legroom. If you look at it, you can actually put a third person there. It's just that the third person will be sitting slightly on the hump. Because the, the seats are bucket uh, shaped even in the back. Yes. So short journey, you can have a third person in the back. Mm. Long distance, try not to. You know, if it's a small person, fine. If it's a teenager, yeah. they'll start grumbling, you know. It's not very comfortable. So, luxury fittings in the car, fantastic. Uh, Features, fully loaded. Safety, comfort, electronic, uh, connectivity, you know, for your iPhone connectivity and everything. All there. High quality fitment and features. It's got an 800 volt uh, electric architecture. So, fast charging is not a problem. You can go to any uh, public fast charger. You can get your car charged in less than half an hour easily. Um, it's It's got all the tech that you need in a luxury electric car. It's got the looks. It's got the features. It's got the power delivery. 797000 might sound like a lot of money because there are some rivals at half the price. But the rivals at half the price are not premium rivals. They're not premium brands. They might be slightly bigger. They might be, you know, SUV kind or whatever. I'm not going to mention all of them because there's a lot of them coming in from Korea and, and China. But you're looking at an Audi comparable to, say, a normal 
petrol-powered RS car, uh, this is like half the price, you know, when new. So yeah. if you're totally taken in by this whole electric architecture and battery power and instant acceleration and you want something premium, this car just ticks all the right boxes at the price. It looks great, drives well, and it's cheaper than something uh, equivalent to it. Uh, as we mentioned about a McLaren's Artura and also Lamborghini's Revuelto, uh, in terms of performance, of course, right? In the same price range, anything else is in the market? Well, of course, the Porsche Taycan. Mm, with the same shape, almost identical. Yes, almost same shape. But you know, the Porsche Taycan is a Porsche, so you pay a slightly slightly higher price mm. uh, because the Porsche prices start from 540000 and moves right up to 991000 ringgit. But that's a Porsche. You can't put this side by side and say, oh, you know, we're direct rivals, even though the technology and the, and the, and the powertrain is, is, is nearly identical, mm. it's still a Porsche. Okay, that's the only one that is either, yeah, if you have this kind of money, it's either the Audi RS, e-tron GT or Porsche Taycan, so I think uh, that neatly rounds off our episode for tonight. Daniel's um, review of the Audi RS e-tron GT. Beautiful looking electric sedan. And that I think neatly um, brings us to the end of tonight's episode of Cruise Control. If you miss any part of the show, you can check us back on the podcast, which is available on the app, free on Google Play and Apple App Store. Or you can go to our website, bfm.my, and we've got all the shows there for you. Signing off tonight, Ali Johan with Daniel Fernandez. You've been listening to Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.